0: either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. you sorry. <laughs> you waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Quantity is not a problem this week. It's searching for quality. That might be a little more problematic. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from madwolf.com, checking out what's new in the theaters and on home video this week. And we'll start off With the Pokemon, a world where people collect Pokemon to do battle, a boy comes across an intelligent, talking Pikachu who seeks to be a detective. It's Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Did you just talk? Whoa. Did you just understand me? Oh, my God! You can understand me! Stop! I've been so lonely! I don't need a Pokemon, period. Then what about a world-class detective? Because if you want to find your pops, I'm your best bet. We're going to do this, you and me.
1: There's magic that brought us together, and that magic
0: is called hope. You know what? That IMDb synopsis really does not describe the plot of this film at all. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you just say Pokemon, and you're going to get a reaction different from different people. If you're like us, and you went through, you were kind of dragged through the (laughs) Pokemon. The Pokemon <laughs> phenomenon through your, your child. You know, our son was very much into it. Oh, my. He you know, still is. Yeah, yeah, he is, still is. I know. But I mean, back in the day, I mean, we had to take him to the animated movies. We had to fight for our lives, <laughs> our very survival, <laughs> On at Tuesday, Tuesday Burger night, night Burger oh, my King God. night. Oh Remember?
1: They, they, yeah, because they would they would give out new cards.
0: Not just cards, but they gave out those balls oh, for a my while. Lord. It was a free for all. Oh yeah, it, it was. really was. It was scary. It was. It was. Might have been there. I've never seen Burger King so busy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but anyway. So we come to uh, we come to po- Pokemon with a little baggage, but um, you know what? The the fun surprise here is that it's a movie that knows its audience,
1: which is uh, it has two right. It has audience of children. It's a it's a family film, and it has an audience of children who've come to see it. But it also has, as my screening attests. An audience of twenty to thirty-year-old boys, men, men who are between the ages of probably twenty-five and thirty. That's yeah, like all. Our son. That's it. That's all that was in my screening.
0: Um, and I mean, you it, know, on the on the with the My Little Pony, they're called Bronies. Yeah. So I don't know what you call them there's here. But there's uh, something so much creepier about yeah. thirty-year-old
1: men who watch My Little Pony. Um, uh, for this, I'm sure it's just the nostalgic factor. They all watched it growing up. They all played. They all had the different Game Boys. You well, know, they and had then, silver and they had red right. and they had. But gold. it was
0: it was just like what a year so ago when they had the craze with the Pokemon Go sure, and people were walking into ditches and construction <laughs> sites because they were trying to catch these that I guess it's still a thing I haven't really heard about it but so it's still out there oh, in the no, public absolutely. consciousness and now think-
1: One of the things that this movie gets right is that it manages to to address because a lot of times a kid's movie comes out and it has to entertain the children and the parents. That's not really the specific audience here. It's children and like a half a generation in between. And they do a nice job of of doing that, of addressing both of those audiences. But
0: for parents like us who went through it, there's some some, some fun nostalgia in it. Well,
1: that would be also for the 26-year-olds. The nostalgia is for them as well. But But I do think there's also Enough uh, sort of Ryan Reynolds isms, right? To entertain the adults who are either there with their six-year-olds yeah. or, or who got dragged
0: there, you know? Because he he's the voice of Pikachu, and normally, if you know anything about Pikachu and really all the Pokemon, all they do in, to communicate is say their names over and right. over, and that's all they ever do. Well, in in this one, all of a sudden, there's a a, a boy. Who can't played by Justice Smith, who can actually understand what Pikachu is saying. So just
1: the one, he can't understand any of the other uh, Pokemon, and nobody, no other human, can understand the Ryan Reynolds Pikachu. Right. And so um, they don't explain it right off, but they understand that this means that they are somehow paired and they have to work together to solve the mystery of what happened to the boy Tim, to his his dad. Right. His dad is is vanished and thought dead, and that's really uh what the whole story is 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 that they're trying to figure out what happened and of course there's there's not a lot of the the actual challenges the matches but there is uh like an underground match and then there a lot of the uh i mean there's just pokemon everywhere and that's one of the things that's funny about it is that you know pikachu
0: will periodically just
1: lament oh mr mime he's the worst (laughs) Or, oh, Magic Carp—he's the worst, you know. And, and so, it's,
0: if you remember him, you'll be like,
1: "That's right, he is he, the worst." Oh yeah, Mr. Mime. <laughs> oh come on. Terrible,
0: terrible. Yeah. The only one that we really liked back in the day was Snorlax, yeah, he because makes... our our son would say, "You want to play Pokemon?" And we'd say, "Only if we get to be Snorlax and just yeah. sit here and sleep." That's right. Because we were bad parents, <laughs> That's basically. Right. That's what you're saying to yourself, and you'd be correct. <laughs> no, but what makes this. You know, entertain as entertaining as it is. Obviously, the Ryan Reynolds is. You know, he's he's very Ryan reynolds Right? He's very Ryan Reynoldsy.
1: Yes. Yeah. He is. I mean, d- tone down. This yeah, is not. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not Deadpool. This is no. It's not Deadpool. <laughs> but he's. You know, he's funny. He says very very funny things. It is funny to hear his voice come out of that cute fuzzy Pikachu. It, I mean, and uh, and the the rest of the performances are quite good. Justice Smith is good. Bill Nye is in it. He's always good. Ken Watanabe is in it, and I'm sorry about that because he just he just languishes in this incredibly small part that you wonder why would you have cast somebody that big? But I don't have a lot of other complaints about it. I mean yeah. it looks yeah. good, it's fun, it's not brilliant, it's not, it's not a great movie. Is it better than those animated torture chambers oh. that we had to sit through? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so there you go. It's 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 entertaining and all right. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Let's move to a movie biography of J.R.R. Tolkien. It explores the formative years of the orphaned author as he finds friendship, love, and artistic inspiration among a group of fellow outcasts. At school, it's Tolkien. Tell me a story. It's a story about journeys. The journeys we take to prove ourselves. It's about inventions about potent magic. Magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before. About what it means to love. And to be loved. About courage. It's about fellowship. I guess my big movie critic confession is time to make it right here. I really haven't seen any of these movies, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, any of those, you've always reviewed them, God bless you, because (laughs) I have just, even from the time I was in grade school and had to read The Hobbit, I think, it doesn't interest me in the slightest any of this stuff. And I know people love it, and and I'm not casting aspersions, you know, people like what they like, and God bless you, but it just leaves me cold.
1: Which actually, for me, makes it interesting for you to be the one who uh, reviews the film about the writer, because I thought that your take on
0: it was was intriguing. Yeah, well, it really has very little to do with, it, it, and the movie pretty much ends when he begins writing The sure. Hobbit. Yeah. So this is about, you know, a life and things you may not know about the author, and, and the search for, you know, artistic expression and the fight for art, and I'm all about that. That's mm-hmm. great. Uh, and it's a very well put together, uh, respectful, reverent look at this author. It's just not very enlightening and, and not very memorable. Uh, well, Nichol- like you
1: said, I mean, it really it, it lacks wonder,
0: which is something that you would think it would have in Spades, given the content. Yeah, it's just not. I don't think it's quite sure how to to, to deliver it. Nicholas Holt plays Tolkien, and he's fine. And Lily Collins, who's everywhere all of a sudden, yeah, uh, plays uh, his young girlfriend Edith Bratt and um he grew up, he was an orphan, he was adopted into wealth, mm-hmm. uh so he had wealth, but then really didn't uh, when he had to you know rely on his own on his own self once he got once he got old enough so he was uh, once he was at Oxford, he was constantly fighting to hold on to his scholarship uh but he impressed uh the at least one very esteemed professor who's played by Derek Jacobi by the way, in a wonderful cameo yeah uh he impressed his professor with his his love and his mastery of language. Right. I mean, early on, even early on, Tolkien, he invented his own language right. that became, of course, yes, um, Elvish. elvish. Yeah. Uh, so that stuff is fascinating. It is um, very informative. Things that certainly I didn't know that he went through as he was uh, up and coming. And there's really nothing wrong with the movie. the performances are fine, everything is put together well. It's just kind of the same old movie biography tropes yeah and it tries to show inspiration for some of these ideas because a lot of it is in flashback when he's on the battlefield in World War one and he's he's looking for a boyhood friend on the battlefield hoping he's still alive. And he will see, like, hallucinations of dragons and things like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's got a, a, a war kind of a leg it stands on. It's also kind of got a childhood leg that it stands on. Then you've got this romance. And it all just mixes in just a, like I said, it's a respectful biography. But, but a not, bit bland. But a bit bland, yeah. It, it's one of those where you're not going to say anybody did a bad job. They just didn't do a really inspired job in trying to tell what inspired this author to Mm -hmm. create such a monumental work, a series of works, obviously, that are still such a huge part of pop culture. But if you come to it like I did, not knowing much about him, you're certainly going to learn and you certainly have respect for for what he did. But uh, yeah, just not really a memorable biography, I will say. And we're back to the French Riviera for the third time for this one. It's Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson starring as female scam artists, one low rent and the other high class, who team up to take down the men who have wronged them, the hustle.
1: Why are women better suited to the calm than men? Because we're used to faking it. Because no man will ever believe a woman is smarter than he is. I could be the partner you never knew you needed. Teach me your sugar baby ways. She's ready. He's the mark. He's a tech millionaire. Billionaire, I bet.
0: Try to be as inconspicuous as possible. Come
1: through. Yep, blind person walking here. Men always underestimate us, and that is what we use.
0: Now, you may already know that this is a gender-switching remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels from 1988, but actually, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels was a remake of a David Niven, Marlon Brando movie from 1964 called Bedtime Story. So this has been around for a long time. Right. Did the switcheroo that they actually just did in one actually one of the movies that is out this week on DVD. We'll talk about in a little bit what women want. They just did that same sort of sure. uh, switch uh, in that movie that they do here. And and that's, that's totally fine. This time the con artists are uh, women, and uh, Anne Hathaway is Josephine, the high-class grifter, and her world of the French Riviera is invaded by the low-rent penny, and that's Rebel Wilson, so uh, Josephine doesn't want her around, tries to get rid of her, doesn't work, so they, as you you may know the story, enter into a wager, and the loser will have to go and leave the French Riviera turf to the winner, so that's how it starts out, how it plays out as this series of cons, but boy... It is so convoluted and so inane. I really... Look, Anne Hathaway, we know. She's an Oscar winner. Yeah. And she's incredibly talented. Yes, she is. Now, Rebel Wilson, I think, can be funny, though. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, her, her pony needs a few more tricks. Yeah. Uh, she's going back to that same stable of just the, the bull in a china shop. Oh, and yeah. And she's crass and she's rude. And she really needs to find another type of part to do. Yeah. Uh, but she can be funny, but nothing is funny about this movie. I I don't know what attracted them to this project, this script. I don't know what they were thinking of because it's just, it's it's so almost insulting to the audience. This is what you're going to give us is in terms of trying to scrape some comedy out of these ridiculous situations. There's one point where Rebel Wilson's character, Penny, just says... This makes zero sense. And it's almost like the clouds parted and we just found out the identity of Kaiser Soze because that has such truth to it in this mess of a movie. You're like, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, there are a couple lines here and there that might get a chuckle, but I, uh, I thought the whole thing was just painful to sit through. And uh, it's entirely forgettable. We'll try another comedy next about a group of women who form a cheerleading squad at their retirement community, proving that you're never too old to bring it its palms. What's this? You were a cheerleader. My mother was very sick, so I quit the team. Maybe you should give it another shot. We want to start a cheerleading club. Will you be cheering for Ourselves. We could do with a little help. We want you to be our choreographer.
1: The oldest category is 18 plus. We're 18 plus.
0: 18 plus 50. I've never had a grandma before. and Now it's like I have eight. You're one of us now. Except with higher boobies. <laughs> There's a
1: fascinating article uh, about Angelica Houston right now. I think it might be for Vulture or... And, uh, oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. And one of the things she just says in past, because she is in the new John Wick movie, and they, they were talking to her about how the fact that, you know, she she does still have to be a working actor. She she needs the money, and, yeah, you know, yeah. but she's just glad that she doesn't have to do things like play a geriatric cheerleader. It's just a <laughs> line she drops in the middle of this, and they don't yeah. mention this, the film. It's just like,
0: yeah, she's yeah. seen the trailer. Yeah, clearly. yeah, clearly. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a sh- we were just talking about in the last one some some wasted talent yes. here. Yes, and you've got Diane Keaton at the top of this cast list. Jackie Weaver, I know, who's fantastic. Even real real Pearlman from Cheers. Where's she been? She gets a little screen time. So, yeah, it's it's another convoluted type of situation where now Diane Diane Keaton plays a woman who comes to this retirement community, and she has terminal cancer. Now, I'm not spoiling anything. That's in the trailer. Yeah. And so somehow that's her wish, her bucket list, is to go back and be a cheerleader. But
1: she's not telling anybody that she's right. dying. That's so basically, right. with the help of a very bubbly and funny and fun Jackie Weaver character... love Jackie Weaver. Yeah, they, they just, you know, they rile up the girls, and everybody wants to be a cheerleader. And, and maybe this is... I hate that. Oh, I wanted. I wish I were a cheerleader when I was young. Let's all do it now before we die. And Pam, Grier, Pam is Greer in it as well. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's Pam Greer is too much yeah. of a badass to be going. Oh, I wish I'd been a cheerleader. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, and um, of course, who are they cheering for? <gasps> Themselves. And I get the whole like. So I'm not even going to get to see basketball or anything. It's just
0: going to be a lot of this. You want to get those guys in the retirement community out there balling?
1: Uh, well, that's the thing. Can't we? This is about <laughs> as bad as Uncle Drew.
0: Uncle, yeah, Uncle Drew is right. Boy, that was bad. But uh, one of our writers, Christy Robb, reviewed this uh, on MadWolf.com. If you want to check out her written review, but basically, I have to agree with one of her sentiments was that it's funny when you think of a movie is too short. Because lots of times now, especially with some of these running times bloating, you're like, mm-hmm. boy, if they could have shaved off 20 minutes out of this. This one just seems like, no, we need a little bit more development here. Right. A bit, give us a little bit more, because it seems like a Saturday Night Live sketch gone wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, the, the one thing you can give it... Of course, Diane Keaton is always amazing. And her chemistry with Jackie Weaver is great. They make a great sort of odd couple. They really do. But other than that, this, this movie doesn't have anything
0: to offer. Yeah, because you're asking the talented ladies of an advanced age to perform what kind of an amounts, what amounts to caricatures yeah. of people their age, exactly. which is you know, like, again, I'm, I'm thinking, why, why did you take this? Now I know the first answer is going to be, you know what? There's not a lot of roles for women. Yeah. And I, I get you, I certainly get you. But uh, I think especially Diane Keaton can say, you know what, is that something that I want to do? But they did. It just, I mean, it's better than the hustle. Let's put it that way. But But, I mean
1: it's it's you know, it's it's just the book club revisited, which Diane Keaton just made, right? It's like (sighs) crazy old ladies. I'm just tired of seeing those. That
0: book club was terrible. (laughs) Let's get positive. Let's continue on the search for positive. Well, it does get better. We've got a few in limited release to talk about. We'll start with the dramatization of the little known side of writer Emily Dickinson's life, in particular her relationship with another woman. It's called Wild Nights with Emily.
1: He doesn't think I'm ready.
0: It's because you're a woman. No man would want to marry a woman more clever than he, Jane.
1: Emily. Your palms are full of things, things that are startling. Why don't more people feel as you do then? She had no idea of the recognition after death in the literary world. Wild Nights, were I with thee. Wild Nights should be. Our
0: luxury. Well, we just talked about finding out some things you may not have known about J.R.R. Tolkien. Well, here's some things you might have known. And it's it's funny how they get into why you didn't know it in this movie about Emily Dickinson.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating movie and it's told in a very comedic way i kept thinking it reminded me of of drunk history that tv show right, where people right. revisit history but yeah. they get drunker and drunker gets funnier and funnier except nobody's drunk in this it's just um that's the kind of approach that they take and they they tell simultaneously two different stories of the life of emily dickinson one is being discussed with a group of proper women by by in fact the woman who published dickinson's or, yeah dickinson's first um, collection, mm-hmm. uh, bound collection. And she is. Uh, Mrs. Todd, and she is espousing those same stories that you've always heard, that she a is recluse, a recluse, yeah. and, you know, a spinster, and she never wanted anybody to read her poetry, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then, simultaneously, you kind of dig beneath the surface, and, and uh, what the filmmaker did was dig through a stash, an archive of Emily Dickinson's letters that uh, Harvard has, and tell a very, very different story about a vivacious young wo- woman who actually... Seemed like a recluse to Todd because she didn't like her. And so she never met her in person. She would avoid (laughs) her. But that she had a lifelong, very passionate love affair with her sister-in-law who lived next door.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's great to see Emily Dickinson is played by Molly Shannon. It's so good. It has been great <gasps> to see since her days uh, at Saturday Night Live, and she was great on there she too. Was. She has gone on to do some great work in film, both in comedy and semi-dramatic yeah, roles, and yeah. she's very, very good.
1: She is. She's so good in this movie. She is so expressive with her face in a way that is unlike you know any of any of the other roles you might be used to. She. She just abides what's happening, but she's thinking it through, but there's no real bitterness. There's a lot of tenderness and heart here, and of course, she's very funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's great how they not only tell the little-known story, but let you know why you've never heard it.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I think that they, they make it understood without beating you about the head with it is how easily the American public and, you know, the literary community were duped because... They just wanted to believe that it's not that they were disregarding this epic talent. She she just, you know, she was a recluse. But the other thing that I love about this and then about a movie that came out last year called Lizzie, which reexamines the story of Lizzie Borden, is that why don't we just look back at all of our historic spinsters and ask ourselves, is that really what they were? Because I have the
0: feeling probably not. Yeah, this is a writer-director, Madeline Olneck. And she's done some small projects, but this one might be the most high-profile. Yeah, I think so. And hopefully, gets her gets her on the radar. Right, uh, impressive. Got a very effective documentary next with a well-placed question mark in the title. It's a look at the quick rise and influence of the controversial religious group known as the Satanic Temple. It's called "Hail Satan." We want people to evaluate the United States being a Christian nation. It's not. We are supposed to be a nation that doesn't allow the government to dictate what is appropriate religious expression. You guys are
1: horrible people.
0: Is this how everyone that's different is treated? It is out of not only Satanism, but patriotism, that I am motivated. There's no doubt that this is my life's work.
1: Hail Satan. Not bad. I think for a documentary to really be great it it kind of needs to do two things first of all, it needs to tell you something you didn't know yeah, uh-huh. and it needs to do it in an entertaining way mm-hmm. uh man, does this movie do both
0: of those things <laughs> and it is a very well placed question mark yeah. because first of all, you think about the satanic temple well what do you what do you think of? Well those people worship the devil well, let's talk about that right because that's the great thing about this documentary. it shows you what their real aims are mm-hmm. and it's hard not to get
1: behind them. It's true, because one of the things I think that is important, and I hope that this isn't a spoiler, but the the members of the Satanic Temple do not worship Satan. In fact, they don't believe in Satan. They are, on the whole, atheists, and you can't... An atheist, you can't not believe in God, right. but but believe in the devil. Exactly. So what they are is really a political activist group that is that what they're they're embracing their outsider, their hated nature. So you'll find a lot of basically outcasts mm-hmm. who are very smart and band together and they say to different governments who are putting things like uh, Ten Commandments in their lawn, that's not religious pluralism. Right. Unless so if you can put that there. Guess what? We can put there as right. a religion. Because we can put Baphomet.
0: They're pointing. They're pointing out that the you find these groups that the louder they claim to be for religious freedom, usually they're not. They're no. just for their own exactly. religious freedom, right. and that's it. And and
1: it's um but it's a really wry and funny and surprising and touching because uh, film because what starts off is a very smart look at a, a savvy sort of upstart of political activism boy it really turns into an exploration of a group of people who find community for maybe the first time. Right,
0: especially when you see how quickly it grows. Yeah. And you do realize that. There's a a group of people out there that can really not identify with worshiping Satan, but identify with coming together for a common cause and getting it done. And also, (laughs) to hilarious effect, Putting on some devil horns. That's right. I laughed when that no. guy had the devil horns oh, yeah. on. I gotta tell you.
1: it is. I mean, it is. It's a very funny film because so many of the people who are involved are funny. They yeah. do funny things. But also I think it's a very touching look at um, how lonely it can be to be a true outsider and how affirming it can be to find another a group of people who are also really ostracized yeah. as you are. Yeah, so
0: it might be hard to find this one, but it's worth seeking out. And it's a it's by the director, uh, Penny Lane, and yep. that is her real name. It is. <laughs> and if you want to get a little more background, uh, hope you actually got to talk to her. I did. And you can find a, a nice interview with her on our website. Yes. So that's Hail Satan. We recommend it. Next, it's a look at the tragic tale of an all-American girl who was transformed into a cold-blooded killer in the summer of 1969. This one's Charlie Says.
1: I need your help with the Manson girls over in the special security unit.
0: Good morning, ladies. I'd like you to meet Carlene Faith. Hi,
1: Carlene. What is it you can really do for them? I just want to remind them of who they were before they ever met Charles Manson. There are real victims in this prison. Maybe these women are victims too.
0: The time is now, man. Hold on. did what we had to do well if nothing else 2019 is reminding us how many monumental things happened 50 years ago yeah. because we're seeing a lot of them played out uh on film and uh, this is one of them the manson family murders 1969 and this one gets really more into the heads of some of his followers particularly the women right it,
1: exactly yeah and it's mary heron who the filmmaker who made american psycho right among other things and so for that reason alone i was excited to see it And it does. It follows three of the women who were involved as they are incarcerated and kept separate from even though they they've gotten death sentences. The state of California decides that they will never mix with the rest of the population, but they can't decide what to do with them. So a grad student comes in to start just teaching them so that they're not just alone and languishing with nothing. And what's interesting about it is, is the idea that even three years later, which is when this teaching begins, because they are never around anyone but each other. They're still as brainwashed as they were the night of the murders. Why wouldn't they be? Right, because they're, it's never diluted by anything else, mm-hmm. by any outside influences. So that's an interesting idea. And then, uh, and then every time, sort of, she'll, the teacher will bring up a topic. Then it's a cause for a flashback. It'll take us back to the ranch, and then it shows the progression of one of the three. Ben Houghton.
0: Yeah, Leslie Van Houten.
1: Leslie Van Houten. From the time that she's introduced to Charlie Manson to the time that she's incarcerated. Um, And uh, I think that the film loses its footing a little bit in those for a couple of reasons. The 60s detail is off.
0: A little too clean.
1: Yeah, everybody's very clean and shiny. (laughs) Um, And and everybody's very, very attractive. I Mm. mean, we've seen photos of these people. We've seen footage of these people. They were pretty weather-beaten. They weren't these lovely women. Um, and, uh, but it's also, I think the biggest problem, the casting, again, there's this weather beaten meanness, this sort of rabid dog way about most of the Manson family, not just Charles Manson is utterly lacking, but in particular Charles Manson.
0: Yeah. It's Matt Smith, Dr. Who, uh, who, who plays him. And for me, and probably for anyone of maybe my age who remembers seeing Helter Skelter as a kid. I mean, it's always you're always going to judge anybody who plays Charles Manson up against Steve Railsback, who who played him in *Helter Skelter*. Scared the pants off me, right? Just the way he looked at the camera. Holy moly! Mm-hmm. Uh, and but but even so, uh, yeah, just not quite menacing enough. No. And I know he wasn't menacing to suck these women into his, his coven, but still. no but you know he had to be to a certain degree
1: they felt bullied he also he's not particularly charismatic he's in no way seductive and I feel like all of those things had to have happened Mm -hmm. for me the high watermark is John Hawks in Martha Marcy May Marlene who he doesn't play Manson outright but that's clearly who he plays Mm -hmm. and he is unnerving in this dead eye sort of alpha male role that is quiet and menacing and brilliant and for me um, that's that's the high watermark and Matt Smith just He's sort of lanky and irritated. Yeah, uh, it's just he just doesn't have the punch.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's it's definitely an interesting look at another side of of the story, but one that has some uneven execution. And one more to mention, it's an Italian story of a timid dog groomer living in a poor suburb, selling cocaine on the side, and trying to stay out of trouble while trying to deal with his unstable, violent acquaintance, who's a menace to the whole neighborhood. This one's called Dog Man. <laughs>
1: This is the latest from Matteo Garone, and you may not have seen his films, but they're all worth seeking out. In particular, Gamora, but then also the the last, the most recent one, he did Tale of Tales. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm, I do. Which was an English language yeah, film, yeah. And, and a very weird, weird collection very weird. of sort of fairy tales and it's interesting because because Dogman is, is in most ways, much closer to the gritty realism of Gamora, but also has allegory and fable nature to it that, that you can see in the Tale of Tales. Uh, it's about this, it, and mainly it's the main, it's the lead character's performance, the lead actor's performance. Marcello Fonte, who plays Dogman, the dog, dog groomer named Marcello as well, he's slight... He's he's one of, I think, cinema's new great lovable losers, you know, and he plays sort of the underdog. Yeah, he's
0: a little dude. He's
1: very small. <laughs> and then Simone, who's just the town bully, this massive, also a brilliant performance, honestly.
0: Yeah, he's played by Eduardo Pesquet.
1: He's so good. He's just mindless, and he's alpha, and he's taking what he wants, and it doesn't really matter. And and Marcello is so conciliatory, and he's so likable, but he's also really... A, almost the only feminine take in the entire neighborhood of all of these business owner men who own these, you know, a uh, cash for gold and a, a kind of a slot machine place, and they all sit together, and they're trying to figure out what to do about Simone. It's, a, it's an interesting underdog story. It's really, really well made, and the performances are absolutely brilliant.
0: And that's Dog Man, and that leads us to the lobby.
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.
0: Two really, really, really good ones coming out this week, and some other stuff. We'll start with a, a documentary, one of the best we've seen so far this year, They Shall Not Grow Old. It is director Peter Jackson restoring 100-year-old World War One footage, it's just, it's stepping into living history. It is amazing. In
1: 2017, we gave one film five stars, and it came out in, I think, November. Uh, in 2018, our first five-star movie <laughs> get, went to a movie that came out in January. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's breathtaking. It's amazing. It's living history. It's something everybody should see. Yeah,
0: it's another one that really would benefit with a big screen viewing, but if This is the only way you can see it. Please see it. Also out this week, a small movie that uh, you may have missed called Blaze, the story of an outlaw country singer-songwriter named Blaze Foley. And he's played by another singer-songwriter you probably haven't heard of named Ben Dickey in his first performance. He is great. It's directed by Ethan Hawke. Yeah, so good. Does such a great job with it. Yeah, he does, who has a small part of the movie as well. And it's told through the eyes of uh, another legendary outlaw singer, Towns Van Zant. Who, who he's played by musician Charlie, Charlie Sexton. Sexton, who does a good job. And it's telling a story about someone you probably haven't heard of, and hearing some of his songs. And it's really, really well done. Ethan Hawke continues to impress mm-hmm. in this second or third act of his yeah, career yeah. not uh, not only uh, acting but in filmmaking yeah. and I uh, really recommend uh, you see the movie Blaze The Lego Movie 2 the second part is out kind of wearing out its welcome by now
1: Yeah a little bit I mean it has some fun it has some colorful moments but it's just not nearly as fun as the original
0: Right and then we've got the Prodigy scary movie
1: yeah, you know, when you find out that your son is maybe evil, maybe not, it just doesn't work. as I mean, that's a pretty common trope in horror,
0: and it just doesn't work that well. And one we brought up when talking about The Hustle uh, a few minutes back, What Men Want, Taraji P. Henson in the gender switcheroo from the old Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt, What Men Want from uh, years back. This one another sad waste of some talent uh very few genuine laughs and they missed some opportunities in yeah. doing this gender switch. But it's
1: pretty safe. It's yeah. a,
0: it's a, it, that was I think the biggest disappointment. The humor is much too safe. Yeah, they missed some targets that they really could have skewered pretty well with this premise, but uh but they don't. So not really impressed by what men want. Big one coming next week. I I don't know how Pikachu is going to do this week. It might have the best chance of taking down no Avengers, way. but uh I think the biggest threat might be coming next week because John Wick three comes out. Maybe Parabellum. A lot of people excited about that when that's out next week. Plus, the latest uh, in the Dogs Purpose films. This the sequence of dog movies.
1: That's right. Uh,
0: well, a dog's journey.
1: And if you want to yeah, if you want a uh, canine double feature, John Wick and uh, Dogs Journey. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. And another YA teen romance. All right. The sun is also a star coming out next week as well, so we'll see about those. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about any of the ones this week. We're always good for a conversation on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, and also on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Mad Wolf Columbus. The main website, by the way, is MadWolf.com, and we appreciate you listening to this podcast. And if you have a couple of minutes, you haven't already, as we mentioned last week, we are up for an award in the Columbus Podcast Awards, our home base. If you didn't know, Columbus, Ohio having their first annual Columbus Podcast Awards. We are up for one in the TV and movie category and also eligible for Podcast of the Year. So if you have a couple of minutes, you can go to com and cast a vote. We would love you for it.
1: And wherever it is that you happen to be listening to this podcast, if you would just do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it.
0: We're asking all kinds of
1: favors are. here, aren't we?
0: but uh, we really do appreciate it and uh, love your feedback as always so until next week she is Hope Madden he's George Wolf, and this is the Screening Room Podcast see ya I do wish we could chat longer but I'm having an old friend for dinner bye